This is The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson, a weekly podcast and radio show. Listen to The Business of Life on demand by subscribing and downloading it wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode... A hundred years ago, I think all this stuff was going on. We just didn't have satellites circling the globe with a 24-hour news cycle. We didn't hear about things going on until weeks, months, if, if ever. We didn't hear about it, but now we, we are seeing the world in the palm of our hands. That's what my, my, my dad would say. He said, you're seeing the world in the palm of your hand, and he meant the smartphone. And he's right. All coming up with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. Last time we spoke, we said we were going to circle back and talk about your mom. You mm-hmm. had mentioned your mom and some of the struggles she's going through yet again. And why don't you update me? How's she doing? Not great. It has been, she's been in the uh, a memory care center. So basically, I hate saying nursing home because it conjures up images that I don't even like to think about. But where she is is absolutely wonderful. I'm very, very grateful and blessed that I am able to have mom in a place that's fairly expensive. But, uh, you know, it's... I'm just grateful. I work hard, and it's one of the main reasons that I'm out here swinging the bat is that I can keep my mom comfortable and safe and all those things. But she's been in there since February of this year, February the 27th she went in. She has deteriorated to the point where it's almost unrecognizable to me. And I think it would have been the same had, you know, we tried to kept her home, but we it was becoming impossible. I mean... My mom's completely incontinent. She's almost nonverbal now. She, uh, we talk about it very, very briefly in, in the last episode about she's doing something called pocketing food. So she's either storing it in her cheek, pushing it into her cheek, or putting it in a napkin under the table, or putting it under her leg on the seat, or hi- put, you know, hiding it under the mat on on the dinner table under the the little placemat. So. Basically, what she has tried to explain to us is that she can't swallow. She doesn't know how to swallow, which is a big thing in Alzheimer's. Do you think there's any, is there, so she really can't swallow? Or do you think that that's like a self-destructive thing Mm -hmm. that goes through? Because I know a lot of um, older people or elderly people stop eating because they just give up. Or is she aware enough to do that? In Alzheimer's, they forget to swallow. You forget. So it's not just a brain disease. Uh, obviously, that's the big thing that people go to is just memory loss. Alzheimer's and dementia affects every part of the human body, uh, organs, breathing, everything. Every every aspect of your body is affected by Alzheimer's. Um, you know, I think most of the time when people die from Alzheimer's, it, it is a lot to do with forgetting very perfunctory things. It's the brain just forgets how to how to make it how to make the body work. But my mom is, she's hurt her back. She had a bit of a spill three weeks ago. Oh, and no. she had a urinary tract infection. And um, I think each time something like this happens, she never gets back to that baseline. She still knows who I am. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been on the road. I'll have been on the road almost two months by the end of this. I get home in a few weeks. But I did. I did stop in Calgary and I saw my mom... Um, for an afternoon, uh, my road manager and I got off in Calgary, had a day off, and I went and saw her. But she had a urinary tract infection, and she went on an antibiotic, and but she had fallen before that. And that's nobody's fault. That is very 
typically uh, part of just getting older is the UTI certainly didn't help, but she's not been the same since. She is in a great deal of pain, and she's kind of leaning over to the side. She's now in a wheelchair, so that's changed even since I'd left on tour. So it's all these little markers, these things that happen that I'm I'm really worried, but I don't know what I can do. I wouldn't stop touring, and people can judge me if they like, but my mom would never want me to stop working. And you have to keep in mind that this doesn't affect me. It'd be one thing for me to go home and, and stay with my mom, but I have, you know, 15 people with me on the road and thousands of fans and people that are feeding their families and making their livelihood. Yeah. And, you know, the train doesn't stop. Yeah. And anyone with an aging parent knows that, Arlene. How do you... I mean, you know, you seem so... First of all, people who don't know you may not realize that you have a, a beautiful uh, acreage, many acres of land outside of the city of Calgary, and that you have your home there, but you also built a home for your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. that was literally right across the yard um, yep. so that they could be close to you and that um, as they grew older, they could be near to you. So you saw your mom and dad literally every day. Yeah. And and you were very, very close to them, even though you struggled with some of the challenges of, of your father and, and his alcoholism. And you've shared that with me, and I know mm-hmm. that that's, that's public knowledge, so I'm not yeah, saying abso- anything no, you no. wouldn't say. No, absolutely. Tell, tell me how you found the strength to be a good daughter through that, Jen, because I, I think people struggle with that. I think when there's, we get so frustrated with our parents and we get so, uh, I don't know, like there's times that I just... I just don't understand and I and I want to and then I get I get frustrated not because I'm frustrated with them but I'm frustrated that I see them deteriorate. My father passed away from cancer but I, I my mother's still alive and there's times that I just wish her mind was the same that there's times that I wish she was the same there, mm-hmm. there's times that I get so frustrated by it that I that it makes you short and you hear about I, I'm you know I'm, I certainly have never lost my temper with my my parents but I hear of that and you can you know people I think they show their frustration and they come out as angry with their parents it's it's such a shame well I'll tell you something right now and I hate even hearing myself say it but there was a time there was a day and there has been many days since then where I looked at my mom Um, she was well into memory loss and yeah like you said I, I prayed and wished and dreamed that she would be the old version that I knew but I remember looking at her across from the dinner table and she, we were having a particularly frustrating evening. Lots of repetition, lots of repetition going around and around. And I looked across the table at her and I thought, I don't love you. I yeah. think I hate you. And this, it echoed around my rib cage. It, it was like the words, the thought rebounded inside my body like a pinball machine. And I felt sick. I felt like I was going to throw up because I thought it. I thought, you know, I had this this idea of hatred in my mind, and I really have battled with that. I battled with that for a long time. Um, and, you know, I look at her now. Those things have changed because she's deteriorated so much. But, you know, there was a time, there was about a year and a half where my mom told me I was a terrible person, that I would never, I would never have done this to you. I hope you lose your driver's license. Mm-hmm. You just wait. I hope you go through this. All these things that were so... My mom was the antithesis of her true self, mm-hmm. and I just was filled with resentment, and it, it, it softened. I mean, obviously now I have a much better understanding. I let go of 
any idea of my mom getting well. I, like many people who are, have parents that suffer with Alzheimer's and dementia or g getting older or cancers or failing health or incontinence or any of those, the litany of things that happen with aging parents, um, you go through every, every emotion on the spectrum and it, you, you feel like you're throwing yourself against walls. And I, and I hope people that are listening realize that it's normal. It is nothing to be ashamed about. It is part of this journey that we're on. And you've got to be easier on yourself and, and to never stop trying to find peace. And, you know, I, I one of the most interesting sentences and most helpful sentences that ever resonated for me uh, it basically it was Marianne Williamson and anyone who's read her stuff realizes she's so fantastic for one thing but I'm paraphrasing here but she said you know do you want to be do you want to be right or do you want to have peace I'm, I'm, I'm just like uh -huh. I said paraphrasing uh -huh. and when I finally realized that I can't be right I can't try and be right I can't keep correcting my mother and say that's not it mom that never happened and that's not that was me for like five years just mm -hmm. an idiot mm -hmm. and then one day I stopped and my whole world changed because my mom we were able to have peace because I wasn't struggling to be right all the time but yeah I I looked across at her and, and felt hatred and I felt like I was gonna go straight to hell well a lot of it is that we you know the the kids are never supposed to be the parent right it, it's not that's not how it's meant to be the the parent is supposed to be the one that's the strong one and, and in charge and helping the the child you know no matter what their age to be able to navigate life and when you find that you're actually it's flipped and you become the the parent of your parent when you become the person who is responsible, it is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's it's emotionally you have to shift your whole mind to think. Okay, wait a minute. She she doesn't know. She 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 is where she is. And I, I know when you talk about independence, my um my mom is is very independent, um, but she's not. I we took her car away, and that was and same thing. That was a real struggle for her. And when I think about it now, I I feel horrible just thinking about it because I know that was really that's the first step of losing your ability to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. And then and then it became you know now we're talking about her banking and you know how does she manage that because she can't always remember taking cash out and what that oh. is. And so now I'm talking to her. I I had this long conversation with her last week saying you know I don't want to take this away from you because I know this is one of the last things that you have that's yours and I was trying oh. to be super empathetic for it it just makes me cry thinking about it um, and she was no she said you know I, I understand I, I know what you're trying to do I really appreciate you being thoughtful about it but you're right I don't always remember and it just it, it it's it's heartbreaking and it's it's but it is it is life and you know what I We've said this before, Jan. I think it's even more sobering when you can see yourself there from here. Like I, my mother is 20, 25 years older than I am. And I can see myself there. I can see myself at 87. And I can see myself going through this. And it scares the bejesus out of me. And I hope my children are, more, um, are equally, if not more patient than I am being. 
it's a sobering thing to realize that that is going to be you in in, in not that many years. Well, you've got kids, and I yeah, I, I that are going kids. to look after you. What and are you I know they do? will. What do you? You I, don't have children. I'm hiring do? the Mormons. <laughs> I'm going to be well, like Howard Hughes. Bring, they, they will bring you Jello with marshmallows I, in it, th- and they will God. bring you because they are really good. and squares. they'll bring me a casserole, a lot of, a lot of squares. They're very good at that. And family-sized <laughs> bags of chips. As someone who grew up in a Mormon household, the yep. Relief Society is called, which is the group of women who take care of everybody <laughs> else. They they bring you they bring you casseroles and home baked bread and man, you Mormons can make good dips. Are, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> we are, we are, you do we, something with the Rotel and corn and cream cheese. <laughs> you probably have had it. <laughs> I invented it. What are you talking about? <laughs> but um, yeah, what are you going to do? What are- I I well, I work hard because I want to make sure that I can, you know, afford to keep myself in a place that will look after me. I mean, that's the the, the crux of this whole conversation. Is I realize that I um. I think if I could be in a place like my mom, listen, I might well get Alzheimer's. I have never been tested. I, my grandmother suffered the same way my mom has. Oh, my dad did. Do you want to know? I'm sorry, I got to ask. Well, that. No, I, I, I doesn't. Even being tested for the gene doesn't mean you're going to get it. No, but do you want to get tested for it? No. Or do you want to have no. any idea? No. Really? No, I On- don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not <sighs> contingent. Like I've watched my mom. My mom realized she was having problems with her memory for maybe three months and then it she wasn't able to process it she just would get mad she'd saying you're you know there's something wrong with your head because i it was hard for me to say mom you're just being forgetful like i when we when i kept trying to correct her all the time if she was retelling a story or going over and over and over something yeah i kept saying mom you've told me that already oh i have not and you're just why do you always have to be so mean you mm-hmm. and and I, all i did was call and i did it for years please don't correct your your parents i'm begging you anyway long story short yeah i do want to be able to afford to look after myself i think there's a lot of things that i'm doing right now I mean, I'm not drinking, I'm exercising, I'm eating well. None of these things are any kind of a guarantee with Alzheimer's. There's nothing scientific or medical that says that it's avoidable. I don't care how much coconut oil you eat. There's just no science behind it. Um, if you're going to get Alzheimer's, you know, I think you're going to get Alzheimer's. But hopefully, Arlene, in the next 20 years, they will come up with medications. They will come up with things that will help millions and millions and millions of families avoid this kind of tragedy. They do say that the one thing you can do is exercise. That exercise is the only proven thing Mm -hmm. to help um, abate the impact of Alzheimer's, but it it, it does, again, I don't think it stops it, but it's certainly one of those things that um, supposedly helps you. Well, I'm doing it. Well, it's oxygen in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's all about oxygen in your brain. But I just, you know, what you're going through, you, you make me think, I have children, yes, but that doesn't mean that my children are going to you know, know or have be well equipped to take care of me. I'm a single, you know, I'm, a, I'm not married. So <laughs> I'm a single, whatever that is. I don't even know what I said there. I'm a single something. I'm You're sing- a single. I'm single. I'm a single. Um, <laughs> You're, you are an old maid. I am an old. <laughs> I am such an old maid. <laughs> me and, and damn too. proud of it. And damn proud of it. Let's get t-shirts. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> thanks, friend. That's really kind. Sorry, of you, sorry. Know? Really nice. Like I, I love you. Um, no, I am. You know, like I think. I think the difference is, is that I should be talking to my children about and equipping them with information on what happens to me if I have a stroke. What happens to me if something you don't want to be wrong. a burden on your children? I don't want to be a burden on my children. No. And so I'm doing. I keep saying to my kids, kids, you know, put just make sure that I'm in a comfortable spot. I've I've put enough money aside that exactly. you don't need to pay for it. Um, I don't want to be a burden on you, but that doesn't mean that I Come don't want to see, see me you. once in a that's while. That's right. I I want to see them, and I think that's. That's a trick. But, you know, could we just circle back on something? Like you, Mm -hmm. the whole DNA testing thing. Like I asked you if you wanted to be tested for Alzheimer's and you said no right away. Would you want to be tested for any other markers to know that you might be more susceptible to cancer? No. No? No. Nothing. No. Do you want to know if you're like from Ireland or or Japan or I am. I am. Hey, listen, I had my DNA done and we've talked about this. No. Yes. Have we? I'm. I thought See? I was Welsh and English my entire life. That's what my dad, my alcoholic father, drilled into my head. Welsh and English, Welsh and English. And I knew on mom's side there was, you know, some Swedish and that I had a great-grandmother that was German. I knew those things. So when I got my Ancestry.com thing back, I am, drum roll, I am Irish and Scandinavian. What? I I could... <laughs> Is that so, why you're going blonde now? Is that why you're dyeing your hair blonde? Because you're I, finding your Scandinavian roots. I'm finding, I'm finding the Scandinavian in me. I'm finding the Ikea in me. So no one was more shocked. So the, the Irish part makes sense as far as drinking goes. <laughs> you know, so I come from a long line of, of well-versed drinkers. But And the Scandinavian thing, yeah, that would be Sweden. That would be anything Nordic. Um that would and then there was 14% eastern european that would be german that would be a russian kind of that part of the world so that was all fine that was all understandable but the irish thing i was so shocked but no i have no interest and let me just explain why i don't know what difference it's going to make and if anything i think it will steal my joy right now i don't know what the future is i don't know if i'm going to be hit by a bus next week i don't know any of those things um, I think it's different in cancers and things like that. I don't want to dissuade people from taking their health into their own hands. I would be remiss in saying that, no, for heaven's sakes, if it's if you have a lot of breast cancer or colon cancer, I mean, do all the preventative things you can do. All I'm saying is if someone was to tell me tomorrow, yes, you have the markers for Alzheimer's, you know, plan your life out. This is pretty much what's going to happen to you. I think it's going to take away from my moment now. Um, if I had four relatives that all had breast cancer or all had, you know, uh, uterine cancer or ovarian cancer, I would be in there getting tested and getting, being, doing precautionary things. I think that's a much different thing than someone telling you, you know, get ready because you're going to lose your mind here in the next 20 years. I don't know why you'd want to think about that every day, Jan. You just said, like, why would we get ourselves DNA tested to, mm-hmm. you know, like, and know the, the worst thing that could happen? But people do. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Maybe I have. I certainly haven't shared it wild, widely with okay. um, a podcast and a radio show, which I'm about to do. But on our, you know, let's see, our show is about sharing and talking about things that uh, are true. So I don't know what my father's, um, my biological father is not the father who raised me. And I don't know anything 
at all about my biological father. Like I, I, I don't know, um, you know, what his what his background is. I, I, I know his name. I know you know various things, but I don't know anything about his health records. Mm-hmm. You know whether he had heart heart disease or anything like mm-hmm. that. And so I sometimes think, oh, I should go get tested because there could be something that, you know, um, could impact my grandchildren or my grand great grandchildren or whatever. But I've never done it because I'm a little bit. And just, I don't know, I, I'm like you, I don't really want to know because it frightens me. Mm-hmm. And that frightens me. I don't want it to stop me from living. I don't want to get into this funk going, oh, you know, gee, I, this is going to happen to me, so I better watch out. But saying that, there are people who find out and do things that can actually that actually help them live a much better life because they are aware that they have a propensity to diabetes or they have a propensity to, they have a higher risk of colon cancer so that they eat differently and take care of themselves differently. So you can improve your life, I guess, if you understand what that is. I don't know how accurate it is, but it seems to me to that it would be helpful. But I think it could also be harmful. Well, that's just the thing. I mean, you, you have to weigh out what the pros and cons are about doing anything like that. You know, this opens a discussion. This is kind of going way far away from where we started. But, you know people that are getting tested, young couples that are having children, that they're talking about genetic testing where you can find out if your baby is gay or straight. I mean, things like that. Oh, yeah, there's genetic markers for, I think, uh, homosexuality and and things like that. Or or there's rumored to have been that kind of precision as far as our DNA. I mean, if not, I'm sure they're headed that way. Um, you know, you certainly look at people that have, uh, their, their, like older mothers that have their, their, their testing done to see if they have a child that perhaps has Down syndrome. I'm just like, well, what, what, what are you going to do about that? I mean, they're actually giving people a choice to, I don't know, it just opens up a whole hmm. door to things that I, that, that frightens me about you know, unlocking the secrets to what we are and all the, the genome mapping that they've done. But I don't know how it serves us really in, in the spirit of what human beings are and what we do and, 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 and knowing all these things. And like I said, there's just certain things, yeah, you should know about. Cystic fibrosis, for instance. You know, when you get married, you should get tested because you can find out if both the mother and the father carry the marker for CF, there's a 50% chance that you could have a child with cystic fibrosis. And it's a disease that there's no cure for. And that, that is a test that absolutely does exist. Do you, and, and then people, no, then the couple would have to decide what, what that means to them. I mean, it changes the landscape of planning a family because it's millions of dollars in care and, you know, you're looking at, you know, I, I don't know, I just, my nephew has CF and he, um, he is the most amazing, smart, handsome, charismatic young man on the planet. But my brother and sister-in-law at the time, they didn't know that. They didn't know that they carried those markers. And then, you know, this is, you know, going back 18, 19 years, it's different now, but do you know what I mean? Like, what, where does it begin and end this stuff? Yeah. Do you, like, so just... Again, going back to what you said about, 
your mom and Alzheimer's and DNA tests, etc. And you know, that one day they'll find a cure, hopefully for Alzheimer's. I hope so. Do you is that do you does that drive your charitable giving? I mean, I, I think it's a good segue into something that actually matters because I find that well, not find. This is like maybe this is stating the very obvious, but you you tend to give to charities where something has touched your life, mm-hmm. and you want to support. Absolutely. Right? So is that a, like is that your cause? Is Alzheimer's your cause? Do you do what do you do I to mean, I, support I, that discovery of the cure? Well, I think my the whole sort of the basis of what my speaking about or speaking out about Alzheimer's has been awareness. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Caregivers are terribly hard on themselves. They if they're going through anything like I went through with my mother, there is a burnout. There is, you know, that like I was saying, you, you go through frustration, you go through hatred, you go through, you know, c- cruelty, like being uh, being overtly mean to your parent or to your aunt or to whoever you're looking after, uh, to your spouse. Um, I think the awareness that we are all together in this and that the behaviors are, you're not doing anything out of the ordinary, that your reactions are... You know, they're they're on par with what we're all doing. That's been the basis of of being vocal about it. I think um, you know I do a lot of speaking about Alzheimer's and caregiving, and I, I mean I wrote a book last year called Feeding My Mother. Um, that that's all about you know being a caregiver and and what that landscape looks like. And I went into Alzheimer's with my mom knowing nothing about it, nothing. I was like at a complete loss. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And boy, did I learn quickly. So, but as far as like CF, I've done so much stuff for cystic fibrosis over the years because of my nephew. But before that, I I met a young woman, gosh, 30 plus years ago, who has since had a double lung transplant and a kidney transplant. She's had CF her whole life. And I worked on uh, some music for a film about young kids that had CF. It was called Heartland. All the kids have passed away except for Danielle, if that oh, gives you geez. any sense of CF. And, um, wow. so yeah, I've always, and then, you know, fast forward 10, 12 years later to have a nephew with CF. I'm just like, wow, that's, I can't believe that, but I, I do doing? what I can. He's doing great. It's a very different world for him. They have much different care. They have better drugs. They're doing much better with infections. I mean, it, it's, it's, a it's, it's still a disease that doesn't have a cure, but, um, these people are living much longer, much more normal lives, and there's lots of hope for... I mean, I really feel like there's no reason that Ryan can't be a guy who's 92 years old. And that's that's my feelings about it. I think he's in a different world, and I we really... We really... Um, we hope that he continues to do great, and he's doing great. How old is he now? He's... Oh, God, he's in his late teens. The kid's going to be in his damn 20s here before I blink. Well... Well, yeah, I I think um, you can spread yourself too thin with too many charities because there are so many good ones out there. So I think finding a cause that is really important to you, whether it's Alzheimer's or Mm -hmm. CF, as you've talked about. Well, how do you approach that? You know, I, I try to, I try to think about it. I, I'm t- I tend to give almost all my charitable donations and time to causes for children and uh, and moms and single moms in distress. You know, like whether it's shelters or or places where that are helping women get back into the workforce. Um, 
I, I definitely, you know, whether it's sick kids or, or things that I can do to support uh, children in particular because I feel that they their voice is so unheard in today's world. I mean, you have oh, women sure. speaking out for women. You have men speaking out for men. You have special interest groups special speaking out for special interest groups. But children and youth don't seem to have a voice in today's society that they need. They don't have the the power, although they're getting it. You know, like you think about the the kids from Parkland in the States and what they have done to raise up against gun violence as an example. That was that was so inspiring. Yes, and that's youth. That's the power of the voice of youth and the power of of these children taking matters into their own hands because they're not getting the type of support they need from adults and from the community. So I, I, listen, I think community is everything. I think we, as the world gets more and more scary and as people get more and more concerned about what's happening, the more we can work and circulate and, and, and boost up and, and enable our communities to be stronger, the better off we are. So I think I like to help kids. That's, that's my I love that. I think encouragement goes such a long, long way. I mean, I have such a fond memory of a third grade teacher just thinking about how far encouragement goes and how far, you know, just believing in somebody goes. But I remember her um, putting her hand on my shoulder in the classroom and I was working on something at my desk and I remember her just saying, that's just so terrific, Jan. That just is so, it's just looking so good. Good job. And I remember walking out of there, you know, three feet off the ground. And Mrs. McCray did that for every child in the classroom every single child in that classroom and I still hear you know there's people years years later that I've run into and they always always bring up Mrs. McCray and um, she just died a few years ago in her 90s it was, it was <laughs> I, I can't even believe you know how well I, I can believe how long she went she just was a breath of fresh air and such an amazing teacher and encouragement goes such a long way with young people I, I never forgot those words, and I never forgot how she treated us. We felt like worthy. We felt like grown-up, worthy people that that were being observed, being heard, being being listened to. So I know exactly where you're coming from. I think I think starting that and and letting kids know that we see them and hear them is where all the hopes of the future lie. Yeah. Yeah, and and so and and you don't always, you know, it's not always about a charity to help youth. It's about um, empowering them, and and I I think this is this is a really important topic. The world's got to pay more attention. You know, you've got kids being put in cages. You've got kids who are who. You know, it's it's funny not to go completely dark for a minute, but. I'm going to go completely dark for a minute. I was watching, you know, on the, on my Instagram feed, I think I follow National Geographic and, mm-hmm. you know, some of these great photography sites. And there was uh, a picture of yet another refugee camp. And, and there was this picture of these two kids laying in a hammock. And, you know, they were cuddling each other and holding on to each other because that's all they had was each other. And, you know, they're laying there and you can see the fear in their eyes. And I, I thought to myself, I wonder what's going through their minds what is it that they sit there and think about as they they lay in this strange place with no hope, with humanity turning their our backs collectively on them, and and they look up into the stars? Sorry, it makes me cry. And mm. what do they think? What do they it's, hope for? What do they? 
It's heartbreaking. It is. It is, Arlene. And what is wrong with the world that we are turning our backs on these these children? Can we not see that they are children, that they, they through no fault of their own, are living in a place that is in a refugee camp without water, without food, without hope, without help. Just geography. Just yeah, geography. Just, yeah, there, but for a the grace simple, of God, go yes, you or I. Yes. And, and our children and our, and our friends' children's and whatever. And I, 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 I don't know how to help it, but I, 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 I find it incredibly sad. Well, it is a... It's... There are incredible people out there. There are incredible agencies out there. There are incredible nonprofits out there. Yes. Individuals NGOs, that yeah. that yeah. that are that are doing things that are probably the most important work on the planet. They are they're but we really, can't rely on just them. Jan. Well, we don't, but there's but there's there's more and more people getting involved all the time and I think you know, people are so reluctant to send Thirty bucks a month to agencies. They're 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 very jaded. There, we've heard so many stories about money's being misspent and, you know, greed and this and that and and funds going awry. I mean, people are are skeptical to say the very least. I um I've been fortunate enough that I was able to go to you know Africa and uh, you know not once but but twice with a um it's a basically a nonprofit and I went over there and they're they're helping impoverished children basically but it's one of those programs that did like the $30 a month and but I can tell you firsthand that my experience was so positive and um the the work that they were doing was was heart just lifted my heart up and it gave me hope I am filled with hope I know it's hard to look at those photographs and and think anything but doom and gloom but slowly we're we're chipping away at it and if anything i mean social media that's the importance of it it's bringing to light the reality of of the world and let's face it i would probably venture to say that there's something like 35 million people every day are in abject abject poverty uh, of starvation like there 35 million people every day are facing Starvation, like life or death, if they can get a meal that day to continue their lives, it's a lot of people. That's the population of Canada, basically. Yeah, and it's it's unbelievable. And I, I I guess, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, taking care of ourselves and being fit and healthy and 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 being self aware. And I I feel like I I find myself crying more and more. And I don't know why, but I find myself sad when I read these things in a way that just stops me from... Is it guilt? Do you feel guilty that you are well and healthy and in a warm place and food on the table? It's an overwhelming sense of loss for me, a loss of the hope of the world or the optimism of the world. And I think we have to overcome that. I mean, I, we, we've talked about this a lot, but I want to talk about it again because I think every day we have to be optimistic. We have to find hope in whatever we're seeing, whether it's looking at your mom's situation, finding hope for her happiness, that she is not suffering, that she is doing well, whether it's looking at, you know, the the world and the kids that are suffering, whether and finding some hope that there's people that are going to reach hope out and help them. Hope sustains life. Yes, Hope is everything, and I and I I'm I'm 
I'm devastated by what's going on in the world, but you can't just be devastated. You have to act and you have to think properly, whether it's as in your own backyard, with your own family, whether Do it's... Do you think the world is any worse off than it was 100 years ago? And I have this conversation with people a lot. So let's think about it. 100 years ago yesterday, the First World War came to an end. I know you're, people are going to wonder about the dates on this, but I'm just going to say that Arlene and I are pre-taping this right now because we're both on the road, but we just went through, you know, Remembrance Day, Armistice Day, and of a war ending. A hundred years ago, people on the globe could not have thought of a worse time. And I think the world is better. I think we are. I know we see nothing but mass shootings and the Syrian and, and you know, the, the Egyptian journalists being, the, the, there's just so many things going on that, but that's, that's the, how we're getting our information now. A hundred years ago, I think all this stuff was going on. We just didn't have satellites circling the globe with a 24 hour news cycle. We didn't hear about things going on until weeks, months, if, if ever, we didn't hear about it. But now we, we are seeing the world in the palm of our hands. That's what my, my, my dad would say. He said, you're seeing the world in the palm of your hand, and he meant the smartphone. And he's right. The world is in the palm of our hands. We can see anything, look up anything, ask any question. So the information that we're getting, it makes us feel like that there is a hopelessness, that there is so much unrest, there is so much abject poverty, there's so much starvation, and kids in hammocks staring up at the stars wondering, you know, where they begin and end. I, th I don't think... The world is any worse off than it was even in biblical times. My God, Arlene, no pun intended, but open the Bible to any page. They were terrible times, terrible, oppressive times for women. You know, the loss of entire tribes of people going in there, people just going in and wiping out a tribe because they wanted their stuff. I mean, the Bible is one of the most violent books on the planet. It was just people fighting each other. So I'm going to give you my answer to, is the world worse off? Okay. And I'm going to say it is. And I'll tell you why it is, Jen. You're right that um, things were horrible then and there's been some terrible times and whether it was... People from, couldn't from get biblical open heart times surgery. Or okay, but wait a second. You know why it's worse off? Because if humans aren't about learning and improving and understanding through mistakes the ability and finding the path to improve ourselves. If all we're going to do is continue to repeat the mistakes of the past, continue to say it was bad then, it's bad now, it's no worse. If we do that, then shame on us because then we're no different than, we're not a species that is advancing or evolving. We're just people who are greedy and selfish taking care of ourselves. So, yep, the world is worse off because we now know what's going on. We have no excuse to say we don't understand what's happening because we do have it all in the palm of our hands. We can see what's happening. And it is absolutely incumbent on us to make a difference. And so that is where the world is worse off. We can't plead ignorance. We can't say we didn't know. We can't say we can't get there. We can't say we can't help. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And so that's what makes me sad is humanity is not learning. We are not changing. We are not evolving. Because at the heart of every man, there, and I'm, I'm saying man, humanity, there is greed. There is narcissism. There is 
every man for himself mentality. But I still, even having you hear, hear you say that, Arlene, I still believe that is a small majority of the people make the world look that heinous. I think there is so many good people and so many great places. You know, I, I don't, I, I just, I cannot believe that we're worse off. No, we don't always learn from our mistakes, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we do learn from our mistakes. I mean, when you look at the medical community, when you look at, you know, how, you know, we're, we're growing food, how we're, you know, the, the children that are coming up now and the, and the education that they're getting, I, I really, I have so much faith in people still. I believe that you know, we are going to see better times. There's a lot of unrest right now, and it's because of the kind of dialogue that a certain human being has started on the planet, and it seems really tipped. I think we will look back at this in 20 years and realize that we this was something that needed to happen to really make us aware of of our surroundings and our politics and our democracy and, you know, what we have. I... I I just don't, I, I do believe in people, Arlene. I believe that we're going to get better, and I believe that we're going to get this right. I believe, I believe in humanity. I do. Jan, I think that was beautifully said, and I don't disagree. We all do need to keep hope and optimism going. We also need to learn and do what we can to help yep. others. And um, again, you've Learn made, from our mistakes. Yeah, you've made me stop and think. Thank you so much for being such a good person, and I'll talk to you soon. I will talk to you soon, too, and thank you for everything that... I, I just want, on a personal note, you always lift me up, Arlene. That's why I do have hope in humanity in the world. It's because you are so... You make a difference in my life. And, and I think when we can really celebrate the small things, Arlene, the big things are going to become more and more manageable. So that's... I'll just end it on that. Thank you for listening to The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson a weekly podcast and radio show. Subscribe and download The Business of Life wherever you listen to podcasts.